is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, it's Gunnar and back for another episode of Breathe In with my lovely co-host, Leah. And now Tiffany is back this week. How are you, Tiffany? Woo! I'm good. How are you guys? I missed you guys last week, even though I, I saw Leah. <laughs> yeah, we were together, but... We are so happy to have you back on the podcast. Our listeners are happy to have you back. Um, we're going to continue the streak of having guests on the podcast. Today we have Erin Hoyt joining us. She's 27 with cystic fibrosis. Erin, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are well. I think thank we're well. you for having me today. Uh, thank <laughs> you for joining us. Um, a special fact about Erin is that she was actually Team Boomer's Athlete of the Year this year. Uh, yeah, so congratulations on thank that. Thank you. A super special designation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Erin's also a transplant survivor, so we'll get to uh, we'll get to that. But Erin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at birth. Um, I didn't pass my first bowel movement, so that's how they figured out that I had CF. Um, I actually was not hospitalized for the first time until I was 17. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, I did nebulizer treatments and everything, but I didn't know about the vest or anything until that first hospitalization. Wow. So that was kind wow. of, yeah. How did you live in the super... dark about that? Um. Yeah, great question. So I, I grew up near Stanford Hospital, but I always went to the Palo Alto Medical Clinic oh. for my things and I saw a pulmonologist there and they never said, you know, maybe you should see the CF team five minutes down the road. Oh. Yeah. That's like, insane. Wow. How does that happen? You would think I don't say that. I don't, I mean, I don't know things. It's really amazing how things are missed though, because my sister, she's two and a half years younger than me also has CF and I was diagnosed at birth and she wasn't diagnosed until she was 17. Oh. She, you know, came out and they said, She's fine. She doesn't have it. And then 17 years later, she oh, goes in it. for sinus surgery, and they're like, sorry to break it to you. Oh, my what? gosh. That's yes. amazing. That is unbelievable. I, it is. It is. Even in today's age, like, things are missed. It's crazy. Well, you would think that if you have CF, you should go to a CF specialist. Yes. Not just a and, and, and any sibling, and any sibling an phone should be tested. Sibling, yeah, if an older sibling had CF, you would be, you know, more, more diligent about that. Exactly. Like, like, immediately well, they taught, she came out. Yeah, she was a super chubby baby. And yeah. so they she popped out my, super chubby. Definitely my doesn't parents, have oh, CF. she's fine. Yeah, she's not like your scrawny one. This chubby one's fine, oh, yeah. you know? So, yeah, I don't know. Things are missed. So I, I honestly, I don't know. But so I started swimming competitively when I was only five. I joined like a summer team and then at seven I started doing year around and I did that until I was 17. So I think that that was really, you know, my best treatment, yeah. my airway right. clearance. And then I just got burned out when I was 17 um, of swimming and I was going to college and I just wanted, you know, more of a social life. So I quit swimming and then two weeks later 
landed myself in the hospital for the first time. Yeah. And then that's when they came in with the vest and everything. And it was really shocking to me because, I mean, obviously, you know, most kids with CF grow up going in and out of the hospital. And so they just kind of walk in or talk and are talking to me as if I'm supposed to know everything, (laughs) you know, they're like strapping something onto me, hooking up. I'm like, what is going on? You know, and walk me through this. Yeah. Talking to me as if I was, you know, dumb because I didn't know what was going on. And so I kind of had to learn about that. And I was supposed to go to college in a few months. And so I said, you know, I remember asking them, so how long am I going to have to do this? Like, just as long as I'm in the hospital? Because it's your entire life. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to college, though, you see. So I'm going to have a dorm. I can't oh do that. Gosh. And they said, no, that's not the way. So I kind of had to learn everything a lot later in life. It's almost yeah. like getting diagnosed later. Like your you sister. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, wait. <laughs> yeah. That's- no, it really is, though, because, you know, I knew I had it my whole life, and I definitely coughed, and I was underweight, mm-hmm. and I did nebulizing treatments, you know, as I watched yeah. TV, but it wasn't, it was not the same until I started the vest and yeah, everything right. else. Yeah, the vest yeah. is definitely a little bit more mm-hmm. of a... Like an, like a, like a cumbersome like outwardly expression of CF. Like the nebulizers aren't that big yeah. of a deal, but the vest like is a very physical activity. It is. Yes. Yeah. No, it's super physical, and then you know you have to wake up earlier, go to bed later, all of that, and adjusting. I also there's some people that can vest and eat right afterwards, or mm-hmm. eat and then vest. Yeah. I need like a t- good two hour window, otherwise I'm gonna wow. throw it up. Oh yeah, see, yeah, I'm one of those people. I can, I can, I can eat right away, and then yeah, I can eat. I, can I, can eat boy one thing. I feel like that's a boy thing because <laughs> I cannot do that. Like I will throw up. Oh man! But then I had to, you know, switch my whole everything around. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, it, it is. is a lot. I can imagine just like because I got the vest when I was seven years or maybe six. I, yeah, I was like that, and yeah, so I was like routine, like everything, and then I could imagine just getting it when I was 17 and being like, I have to put that oh, jiggly hey. thing on me. Like, yeah. right. <laughs> and going to college. I mean, like, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I had to call the school thing. and tell them, you know, I wanted a single room instead, Yeah, which ended up being fine. You know, you still make friends and everything, but I remember, you know, I'm 17. I'm moving eight hours away from home for mm-hmm. college. And I was nervous. Like I'm going to be the one person that doesn't make friends because I'm in a single room instead of having, yeah, you know, yeah, a roommate right. and everything. And it's also new to me, you know, and I didn't know, my friends growing up always knew I had CF, but now I have to go to this school with a new machine. And I was like, how do I introduce this? Yeah. Yeah. People. Right. You're not even comfortable with it yourself. So it's like. Yeah. The second day of college, I set off the smoke detector with my (laughs) nebulizer and they called the police and the entire building to be evacuated. That's hilarious. Yeah. That is did they hilarious. know it was That's you? Did everybody yes, know? Yes, no, they know it was me because it's coming from my room, the smoke detector. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing in there? And I had to tell them. And my cousin came over and, like, set up some fan to blow away. And it was this whole oh thing. But, yeah. I'm not going to have any friends. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know nebulizers could do that, to be honest. Me I either. Mean, when you're in a box of a room yeah. and your smoke detector is right above. Right above. I set it off yeah. in a hotel one time, too. Oh, like, wow. if the room is small enough, it'll happen. Okay. Uh, I've never done that either. I've, I have never. Yeah. Nor did I never. I set the smoke alarm off with, like, uh, with one of those George Foreman grills one day. <laughs> but, I, but I had never, but I've never done it with my nebulizer. That's yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't hospitalized again until my senior year. Uh-huh. Okay. 
um, which is, so I started going to the CF clinic when I was 17, the, I went to Lucille Packard. Okay. And then transferred down. I, then I just, I could kind of go whenever I went home, I would see them, but I didn't actually transfer the San Diego one until I got really sick my senior year. Okay. I went to the ER and then I was introduced to them, which was a godsend. I credit UC San Diego for all of my like health success. Like they are the godsend in like cystic fibrosis. Um, went to them and then, yeah, I got super sick my senior year. Uh, like two, a month before I graduated, I ended up, I ended up in the ICU on a breathing machine. Yeah. What happened to like create that? So I got a pneumonia and I went into the hospital just being treated for regular pneumonia. And they're like, you know what? Like, you're good. You can go home on home IVs. I went home and I even went to a job interview because I thought I was going to graduate. And then I had like 105 fever. Oh, man. Yeah. So my roommates called 911. They came and got me, readmitted me. I was still just on the regular floor. Right. And it was, it was really vague memory, but I remember it was a CNA and she came in in the middle of the night and I was like, I said, I have to get up and go to the bathroom. I have mm-hmm. to pee. And she said, no, 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 don't get up. And I said, no, I, I'm, I have to get up. And I got up. The next thing I knew, I just stood up, passed out. Ugh. And the next oh thing I know, gosh. I just remember being like rushed, you know, people like on my bed, right? yeah. mass being rushed to the ICU. And then I was there for about 10 days and they talked about transplant then doing transplant then but I was only 21 I and I said I mentally did not think that I was ready for that yeah no yeah I and I still if you think about it was relatively new to the whole CF thing and I said oh I'll be fine Mm -hmm. no but genuinely I mentally was not ready so I told my doctors no no I'm not doing that and I mean, I appreciate him for listening to me and trusting me. And then I recovered, graduated, got a job for what was another four years, and then I got listed. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, um, That's crazy. I mean, it sounds like this is a bit unusual because a lot of people have like a slow steady decline. Where you know, Tiffany, for example, here. You know, sort of was mm-hmm. in, in that at that stage of her life for a, a longer period of time. For you, it sounds like all of a sudden things just like suddenly fell apart. Yeah, I know. That's definitely how I felt, you know, because I had that incident when I was 17 where I thought everything was falling apart. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college four years, no hospitalization. I did a few tune-ups, a few yeah. pick lines at home. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, you know, that fourth year just hit the ICU, everything coming at me and then all of a sudden it's talk of transplant yeah. and I think it was just too much too fast for me. And I just said, no, yeah. no, yeah. I'm not going right. to do that. Yeah. You and have to be mentally prepared for sure. You do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, you don't even realize it until you have the transplant. I'm like, yeah. thank God I didn't do that when I was 21. I, yeah. I, I could not have done it. Exactly. I don't know how people do it when they're so young, to be honest. Me either. It's a lot. It feels like peds patients that are like yeah. really young and get them. I know. I don't know how they do that. Maybe because kids are more resilient. It's actually yeah, so. Yeah. You know, um, easier for them as we get older. We're stuck in our ways, but <laughs> maybe stubborn. Yeah, yeah, patients. That yeah. Yeah, I know. True, so. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's super interesting. So then, uh, so then finally, the transplant talk does happen. You know, what was that like? You know, when did you finally realize that you were ready for it? Um, and what sort of led to it? 
Well, that's actually kind of a funny story. So I was getting... So then after that one incident, I would get sick like once a year. I would get hospitalized every April. I don't know what it is about April. It yeah, doesn't like April. me. So I would get hospitalized every April. And then the summer before I was listed for transplant, I got sick, was out of the hospital for like three weeks, went back in, out yeah. of the hospital for like three weeks, went back in. Mm-hmm. I remember I had just gotten back from Catalina Island with some of my friends and I was standing in the kitchen and I had just gotten off IVs and all of a sudden I started to feel sick again and I just thought to myself this is it like mm-hmm. my lungs are done I remember yeah. exactly it's one of those things where you remember exactly yeah. what you're wearing in that yeah. moment and I remember thinking this is it my lungs are done they're tired they are not going yeah. to recover this time but I didn't know that you could just call up your clinic and say hey I think I need a transplant <laughs> so in my mind I said well you know I'm going to get sick in a week or two. And I guess that's, you know, when it'll be addressed. And sure enough, you know, one night I all of a sudden thought I was going to pass out. I checked my oxygen. It was like 78. Yeah. Yeah. So I had my friend rush me into the ER. The next morning, I remember the doctor came in. I was like, have sleep. He's like, you're going to need a transplant. I was just like, thank you. (laughs) I I figured that out. It's done. No, he said, you have been the easiest person to convince that they need a transplant. Yeah. So um, I started, like, getting all the workups, like, pretty much the next day. My lung function was only at 15% mm-hmm. at that point. So, um, yeah, I was actually only sleeping with oxygen at that point. I wasn't on it full time. Then I did all the workups. Um, my parents, actually, they still live up in San Jose in the Bay Area near Stanford. So I did all the workups in San Diego, and then they put me on a medical jet, flew me to Stanford, where I was, like, finalized to be on the list. Okay. And then I was super lucky to where I got to live, you know, with my parents during the waiting process and the recovery, instead of having to, you know, live in the outside housing or anything. I got super lucky that they live within that 30-minute radius of the hospital. Yeah. It's nice to have people around you and, like, comfort of home. Yes, and all that, and, and just like so nice that it's right next to Stanford, you know, one of the top yes. like transplant facilities. Like, I got really lucky in that sense. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, I, I still can't get over how like dramatic your decline must have been. You know, you're 17 years old, first time you're really getting hospitalized. The, the vest is introduced, and all of a sudden, you know, was like seven or eight years later. Now you're, you're you're going through transplant. You know what? What was that like for your family, for you, for your sister, like for everyone to see this? You know, I. I really want to know what it was like for your sister to see that because she also has CF2. Yeah, I think it was really hard for her. I think that, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think that a lot of living with CF is living in denial. Like, oh, that won't happen to me. That won't happen to my family member. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think growing up, my parents always saw me competing and, you know, going to college. And yeah, there was, you know, that really dramatic incident when I graduated, but I still graduated I did walk I did graduate on time I had an IV in my arm but I did it you know so I think it was always like oh like you know she'll recover she'll recover and yeah Kristen my sister Kristen's not that serious she didn't get you know until she was 17 so I think it was just it was just all really quick and just kind of a like getting hit by a truck like wow this is real you know this we are everybody else we are the statistic. We are not, you know. So it's it's an adjustment period for sure. And I think, I think it takes a lot adjusting emotionally and 
like physically to prepare for all that. Um, for my sister, I think it was really actually good for her to see because, you know, she wasn't diagnosed until she was 17. She, she just had her first hospitalization and she's 25. So a few months ago, she was, yeah, she was just hospitalized for the first time too. So, you know, I think they always labeled her as, oh, well, Erin is the severe one. Erin's the severe Mm. one. There's different degrees. So I think it was good for her, you know, not to see me go through that, but to realize what can be. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like a I mean, if anything, yeah, if anything, I hope, you know, it helped her to be, you know, s- s- she takes care of herself, but to step that up, you know, yeah. think, okay, yeah, if it happened to my sister, who I thought was healthy growing up, it can happen to me that's healthy growing up, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Definitely. Do yeah. you think having them bring up the topic of transplant at 21 and then needing it a couple years later, do you think that helped prepared you more? Like, do you think you would have felt as ready as if they hadn't have done that and just kind of like sprung it on you when you were super, super sick? No, I agree with you. I think it totally helped me prepare. Because okay. Yeah. That's what I would think too. Yeah. Well, also the doctor I had when I was 21, shout out to Dr. Kevin Shaw. Um, I trust him like with everything. No, really. I, I am a stubborn person. It takes a lot for me to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to go with what you say. I believe what you say. And right. I just, I remember him coming in, you know, he sat down and he was like, so I think, you know, we're going to have to consider transplant. And then he's like, so right away, people have this question, A, B, and C. And, you know, he was very honest about it. And he said, it is really hard emotionally. And what does this mean for having kids? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for working? What is this? It wasn't even, what does this mean medically? Mm-hmm. He really understood that at that point I was only 21 and my life tunnel is very narrow. I see right yeah. in front of me, you know, I right. see. so he kind of went over that okay. and, um, then he brought in, um, a transplant educator and they gave me a book and we kind of mm-hmm. went over it. And I just, I, you know, I told him no, but that conversation always stuck with me. And so because I had that conversation with him when it came time to have it, I was much more open and, you know, but I feel like if it had been forced on me by just some random doctor that walked into my room and said, you're too sick, I would, I would have been much more hesitant, but because I had a very calm, you know, conversation with somebody I trusted then it was much easier for me. And I kept that transplant education book. And I actually, when I got listed, yeah. did go back and like reference it and everything. So, sure. yeah, no, I so, would definitely think it would help. So now, now that you're post-transplant, you know, the question I always like to ask, what was your first breath like? <laughs> okay. So I get that a lot. And yeah. I wish I could tell you that I remember like the first you don't, breath. You don't remember. I don't. You I don't. don't. All I remember is... I had come to, but I was still intubated. I still had, you know, the thing. So I come to, I'm fully awake and I'm telling, I'm trying to scribble to the nurse. Like I want to write, I want to write. And I'm telling her, you know, I want to take it out. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, in a few, in a few, but I had come to so much that I really like, I can't even have like a tongue suppressant. Yeah. So (laughs) I was kind of freaking out. Like Uh I was getting claustrophobic. I just wanted it out to where I was getting 
was getting mad. And so then finally she, the guys came and I remember, I remember my dad being there and him just saying, yeah, she's going to get very angry if you don't take it out. Kind of being a state of me just being frustrated. And then once they took it out, finally, I was still yeah. mad. I wasn't even, you yeah. know, focusing on that. But I remember, um, my first memory of kind of realizing what was happen happening was I was kind of laying there and I went to cough just out of pure habit and there was nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of weak, isn't it? It's a weak yeah. cough. You're like, <laughs> I was like, and you're just like, um, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing there. And yeah. that to me is my first memory of being like, wow, uh -huh. is this how everybody has felt their entire life? <laughs> Exactly. No like, mucus. No wonder everybody can go to the grocery store and work in one day. Yeah. Like, if I, you know, do something like this. Exactly. No, so that was kind of my first oh my God, going it's to so true. No, it is, though. And I'm like, no it wonder is. you guys are running all these errands yeah. in one day. No, sometimes I'm stuff. like, you know, I go to work and then I come back and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, can't yeah. do anymore. Meanwhile, everyone else is yeah. like grocery shopping, cooking dinner, doing laundry. And I'm like, I need a whole day just to do those tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Like tomorrow will be laundry. The next day will be the grocery exactly. store. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my first, it was just kind of talking, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Now, and how long was your recovery in the hospital? I was there for 14 days exactly because I got my transplant on February 1st and I got out on Valentine's Day on the 14th. Nice. Yeah. How long did you have to wait for lungs? Like how long were you on the list? Not long, only two and a half months. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was figured it was fast just from how low your lung function was. Yeah. You know so, what I mean? But yeah, I don't remember my exact allocation score, but I know that when I, uh, they told me that I was number four, um, for my blood type, mm -hmm. and then they called me at one point and said, okay, now you're number two, because I got sicker, uh, and right. then, um, like, two days later, I got the call. Nice. Wow. Okay. <laughs> meanwhile, Tiff meanwhile, Tiffany's over yeah. here waiting for years. <laughs> two and eight Two years and eight months. How did you do that? Because I was so paranoid about my cell phone at all times. I know. Well, I, I remember, remember being super chill about it. Yeah, I was like, whatever. But at first, it was very, call. like, looking at my phone all the time. And I would get mad oh. at my friends for calling me. I, would, <laughs> I was like, why are you calling me right now? I just got listed. And you're calling <laughs> me. And you're freaking me out. <laughs> and um, I guess just being on there for a few months, I just got used to it. And I said, it's just going to happen when it's supposed to. And then I yeah. just start getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And then we got to that point that we need lungs. And they came right like a few days later when I was like on. Yeah, I was very sick. <laughs> yeah. And did so, you have yours at Stanford? I did. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, they're awesome there. But I was in the hospital for 32 days. Wow. So, but, I mean, for you being that sick going in, I yeah. guess, 32 days in retrospect. I think it's pretty good I'd recovery. Have, I'd have chest tubes in for a long time because my donor's lungs had uh, punctures on them. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I had chest tubes for longer. That was, like, the last yeah. thing I was waiting on was the chest tube. Yeah, those are very uncomfortable. How, how was your um, getting up and moving? Did, were you in a lot of pain with the chest tubes? 
Yes, and I don't know if you had this problem, but they were being very stingy on the pain medication. Uh-huh. So at one point where they said, oh, you're fine, we're just going to, you know, take take you off of it. And I said, oh, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. And they said, no, we're going to do it. And then, like, ten hours later, in the middle of the night, I just started screaming in oh, pain. No. It just My hit gosh. me all at once. So, yeah, yeah it was... It was very painful. Yeah. Here's a few Advil. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember thinking when she got, when Tiff got her transplant, I was like asking your mom what they had you on and stuff. And I'm like, they need to put like an epidural in. Like, I don't know why we don't have this. You know? <laughs> yeah. No. One of the nurses at the hospital said that. Yeah. No, she said, well, you know, there's some people that had the same surgery as you that are walking around with a Tylenol drip. And I said, Good for them, but yeah. I would like something stronger. Everyone's different. They don't understand yeah. that, that every single yeah. person is different. Their pain tolerance yeah. is different. Congrats. I was on Tylenol because I did not like the pain meds. It made me feel really bad. I don't know. I, I felt like I was on a boat. It was just <laughs> it was all bad. <laughs> Apparently, I don't take the different drugs. Just, they don't go well. <laughs> Tiffany, you, we need we need you to write like a book about your 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 drug experience from the time you accidentally yeah. got high to now you being on a boat. Yeah. So someone need, we need to, we need, oh yeah, you definitely get high from that. We need to, we need to catalog all of this. Yeah. Um, so Aaron, now you know uh, why, why you're really here is talk about you know being an athlete. Uh, you're competing in the transplant games. Uh, you know. It, it, it seems that athletics has always played a part in your life. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. So in addition to swimming, I played competitive soccer mm-hmm. um, all my life too. So it has always been what I viewed as my identity, honestly. Like my identity was like always Aaron the swimmer or Aaron the soccer player. So when I kind of lost that, I was like, now I'm just Aaron with the vest. So I, it's funny because I would really like it if transplant centers advertised more for the transplant games. Um, I found out about it because there just happened to be a flyer on one of the tables when I was waiting for clinic. Nobody told me about it or anything. And even down in San Diego, because now I get all my follow-up in San Diego because I moved back down here. Um, A lot of their patients, some of the doctors didn't even know about it when I was telling them about it. Mm -hmm. What what are the transplant games for people who may not know? The transplant games are, it is like, you know, the Special Olympics or the Paralegal, Paralegal, whatever, Olympics. Um... So it is where people with transplants from, they have international and they have national. So it's every other year. So uh, I compete in the international one. So it's people from all over the world who had a transplant who go to compete in Olympic sport events. So they have, and it's all age ranges too. So they have anything from swimming to golf to badminton to bowling, um, track and field. So there's really anything for anyone i think this year at the usa one they have texas hold'em you know yeah i saw that so yeah so it's good you know for people who aren't still yet in the best physical shape but they want to go and they want to you know compete and stuff and then there's sides of it that are super competitive which is really the swimming and the track and field which is where i went into it a little like okay i mean i swim my entire life Maybe these are hoping these are just people that just picked it up one day and I can really just 
I'll get in the pool and <laughs> do it. And no, that is not the case. All of these girls have been training their entire life. Wow. Next thing, like, you know, you're right. Oh Katie Ledecky of the, liver, of the liver transplant world. No, it really is. <laughs> they are competitive. I was, I said, these girls are not come to mess around. So, which is, which is fun because it is so refreshing to be in a truly competitive environment again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and you meet, they have, you know, an opening ceremony, a clear closing ceremony. They have dinners every night. So you really get to interact and meet people with other types of transplants. Tra same transplant as yours from all over the country, all over the world. They put everybody from your country in the same hotel. I met a couple of really great people who I still, you know, communicate with day in and day out. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. That's so uh, amazing. Yeah. I honestly didn't know it existed until a couple months ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, so they I, definitely they don't, they don't do a good why, job of, like, getting it out there. No. I don't know why it's not better advertised because everyone that's there, you know, most people around our age that are there are people who are in, like, pretty decent shape. And the reason they're in that shape is because they have something to set a goal for. Right. right. I would not be, you know, working out as much if I didn't have a goal. Yeah. That, which is just me. Like I need, yeah, I can't just go to the gym to work out, to work out. That's yeah. I you need, need some you know. type of motivation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so and I, I go to PT and have someone scream at me to, you know, yeah, keep yes, working yes. out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And, and what, what, what events did you swim? Um, so um, this past summer I swam the hundred breast, 50 breast, 50 fly, 50 back, 50 free, and two relays. I think that's seven. Wow. So I still have seven total, five individual <laughs> and two relays. Well, then are, you, are, you awesome. planning, are you planning on going back? Is it every four years? Is it every year? Is um, so it's every year, but it alternates. So last summer was international. This summer is uh, national. So it's just for Team USA and I believe Canada. Mm -hmm. And it's in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Which I'm a little worried about with the altitude. Yeah. 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 Now, oh, yeah. so, you know, it, it, would you say that you had such a speedy recovery <coughs> your transplant and you're doing so because of, um, because of the athletic side of it? Because, I, I, you know, I talked to some people who have gone through transplants and they seem that they do very, very well, you know, if they've been, a, you know, a, an athlete all their lives and they go through it and they're able to, you know, I don't want to say zip through the recovery, but it, it, it's definitely... Uh, something that gives them the strength to go through such a, an invasive, traumatic uh, experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, muscle memory is a thing. And even if you have not been using those muscles for a few years, it's quicker to recover them if you had them prior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though I had not swam, you know, competitively or really tried to work out competitively, in years, that muscle memory was still there. Those muscles had been there. And before transplant, you know, I was told that the best shape I'm in is going to lead me to a steady recovery. So I was, um, I was working out before my transplant. I mean, very little with oxygen on. I, my parents have an elliptical <coughs> in the house. I would just do two minutes, mm. but that two minutes helps. I would walk around the block with my 13 year old dog who wasn't moving that quick, but neither was I. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but no, but it's like any, you know, if I walked, you know, less than half a mile the next day, I'd try to walk yeah. half a mile. If I stopped four times, yeah, that's fine. But it's just 
actually doing it. If you can get two pound weights and just yeah. lo- sit on the couch while you watch exactly. TV and slowly lift them, like just get, getting that little bit of muscle, mm-hmm. it's going to be so much easier when you try and get out of bed the first time. Yeah, I was doing sit to stands a lot. Yeah. And tried to go to pulmonary rehab. We know how that helped. <laughs> that was such <laughs> a fail. Yeah, I was there for like a week and then I would get sick again. <laughs> so it was like, uh, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go to pulmonary rehab until afterwards, but I okay. actually would have wished that somebody had told me to go to, go beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so we're, we're sort of towards the end here. Um, it's been a pretty good interview. Now, uh, to give you the last word of the episode, what, you know, what, what would you say to someone that's, uh, you know, considering transplant and then someone like Tiffany who's considering going into transplant games because Lee and I have now decided that we're going to enter <laughs> Tiffany. Oh, yeah. We are you should. And we're picking yes. what she should do. What <laughs> are you going to pick for her? Yeah, I don't know what they're picking for me. We haven't decided um, yet. Surprise. Yeah, we haven't decided yet. So your yeah. answer here may have some influence on, on our decision for Tiffany. Okay. <laughs> Um, so for anyone who is considering transplant, I mean, I would definitely consider it is a big emotional hurdle besides all the physical stuff. It is an emotional hurdle. So, I mean, I would make sure that you are prepared for that the best way that you can. Um, and then physically, same thing. I would, it's going to be hard and it, it's hard because I mean, we've all been there. You cannot breathe. But whatever you can do, as I said, if you can walk around the block one time, do it. If you can lift one pound weights, do it. Anything is better than nothing. And in the end, that will help you post-transplant. Get out of bed quicker. Recover quicker. If you are a young CF patient who's not even close to transplant, start working out now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to have one. But if that, I mean, with CF, it's going to help you. And if you ever get to that point, it's going to help you. Like, that is, I would say, my biggest advice for anyone is to, you know, swim. Even surfing, I don't know if you guys have heard of, like, the Maliola Foundation. Yes. Yeah, like, they take kids out there, they surf and everything. Um, It's just so good for you. What if you're afraid Um, of sharks? Like, that's a big hurdle for me. Yeah, sharks. Yeah. Um, What would you say to those people? Get I would say it. move on. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> and look how successful the girl who got her arm bitten off is. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Bethany Hamilton. She's yes, I can't her name, yes. but you know. Um, <laughs> so um, I would just say, you know, do what you can. Anything is better than nothing. Post transplant, I suggest pulmonary rehab. I did it for the first four months afterwards. Yeah. And then, you know, find something that you like. Mm-hmm. They even have, they have basketball, they have volleyball at the transplant Olympics. Okay. If you don't want to do an individual sport, you know, you can do something, find something that you like. And I mean, it's really, it's not about if you get there and you're the best, like everybody's in the same situation as you, you're going to meet awesome people. You're going to get to travel to cool places. And it is a motivation for you to work out, get in the gym. Do what you want to do. For sure. Like, do anything that'll motivate you. Yeah. I think we should sign Tiffany up for volleyball. That's where where I'm standing. Well, we know I'm not doing basketball. (laughs) Because, um, you know, she's like out of the Warriors. You're you're about about the same size (laughs) as a basketball. Yeah. (laughs) Literally, like, up to their knees. So, yeah. (laughs) No, it's not going to work. 
Um, all right, well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this has been a, a great interview um, and very inspiring one at that. Also, congratulations on being the Team Boomer Athlete of the Year. Again, a very, yeah. very great destination. That's so exciting. <laughs> uh, one day, maybe I'll win. Uh, no, maybe, I, maybe. Uh, I don't think you're going to win. <laughs> um, but no, we do have something very special to tell everyone about. We have a giveaway coming. Yes, we have yes. a very special giveaway coming. We have the Breathe In Tank Tops are in for summertime. Uh, they've already been selling, but we're going to do uh, a five-person giveaway, and here are the rules. You have to like Breathe In on Instagram, which is? At Breathe underscore in underscore pod. And you have to subscribe to us on iTunes, and then uh, in the, the post that we're going to designate, you have to tag two people. Okay, yes. so tag two people, like Breathe In, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, and if you want to be... An extra special, extra special consideration. Give yeah. us a review on iTunes as well. Leo will be checking those. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll I will be checking on it. Uh, and Aaron, you will be our first winner. Yeah, a, bo- oh, a bonus winner. You. So you will get a, a tank bonus top as well. Winner. Bonus winner. So we'll have five others plus Aaron. Uh, guns out, guns out. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Tiffany, you should be wearing it right now, Tiffany. I know uh, I should. Uh, you know, I had to write the Warriors though. They won, okay. and I was so proud. Okay. <laughs> As if it's hard for them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's pretty much it. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'm Gunnar Sison at Salty Sisters with a C. Go to the Etsy store, Salty Sisters. And then you can get a hold of us at Gunner's blog at Asylus.org or Salty Sisters at gmail.com. And the DMs are always open. Always. Go always. down right in the DMs. Go, da- go down in the DMs. Go down in the DMs. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And thank you for listening to Breathe In. We will catch you all next week. All right. Bye. Bye.